the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. If I were to ask you this morning to envision a missionary, what comes to mind? Maybe it's the faces of those on postcards and pamphlets throughout church and the tables you'd find, those who've moved to far-off lands to bring the good news of Jesus. Or maybe you think of the Mother Teresas or those who, who go into those unreached areas among folks who don't yet know the name of Jesus. Maybe it's those you know of who've gone out uh, on a short-term mission trip or even across town and had an impactful experience, and they uh, come back anew, and they're, they're reinvigorated, and they are passionate about a particular ministry or place. If you were to ask me several years ago what my understanding of a missionary would be, it would probably be along those couple of lines. But one five-minute conversation before church one Sunday forever reframed my understanding of that word. Back in 2006, I was still wrestling down my call to ministry, and I was doing that in a far-off land uh, upon the invitation of the local bishop there in northern Nigeria. And as I plopped down in the pew, not unlike you would on a Sunday morning in the West, um, we were at church early because uh, in their home, his eldest son was preparing for ministry, and like those in ministry or preparation thereof, um, you'd arrive early to do all sorts of things. So since I was in tow, I was there early, and there was one other young couple there um, well before anyone had arrived. So sitting down next to them, I struck up conversation, and in the course of just interaction, I more or less did the Western thing, so what, what is it that you do, looking to the husband? And he said, well, I'm a missionary. And I was quite excited, being one of the only Anglo faces in the area, I was excited to hear about where he'd come from, maybe where he was back from thinking, well, maybe he's actually in from the field, and he's there early to share his experience in church on Sunday. And so somehow, I, I more or less asked him, um, well, where are you a missionary? And without missing a beat, he said, well, you're in town. And he proceeded to tell me then about his tent-making business that was his livelihood so that he could share the good news of Jesus with those in his local area. My world was just completely rocked, <laughs> and I thought, whoa, that is an understanding of what it means to be a missionary that I'd never thought of, and I'd like for you to consider the same, to hold that as a frame that you, by virtue of your baptism, are a missionary as well, and let's look at what that call means to be a missionary on this World Mission Sunday all across North America in our little tribe called Anglicanism, everyone is celebrating this theme of world mission. And as we do so, the readings, as you hear, are all focused around that theme. So for our purposes, if we could, let's turn back in our Bible, or you can follow along on the screens if you'd like, um, to Acts chapter 1. And let's find three lessons, three kind of practical reminders about what does it mean to be a missionary today. So, in verse 1, we read in the first book, O Theophilus, so Luke, um, part one of Luke's work is the Gospel of Luke, as you know. Um, that's the first book. The second book that he writes here is Acts. He's writing to Theophilus to tell 
In the first book, he dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach till the day he was taken up. And after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles to whom he had chosen. Then he presented himself, which is the first part of book, uh, book of Acts here, right? Alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So in those opening two verses, there's so much to run with. But um, for our purposes, let's just notice the obvious. The whole purpose of the book of Acts, at least God had grander purposes, but initially is so that Theophilus has a witness uh, or an account of what God has done in Christ Jesus as Luke writes this for his benefit. If we think about it from a global perspective, right, the book of Acts bears witness to Jesus, and Theophilus is, is seeing this unfold, quite literally, page after page. Um, and I think that's a, an obvious first stop for us to think about, even as Jesus himself appears to the disciples in these 40 days after his resurrection, that what it means to be a missionary first and always is to bear witness to what Jesus has said and done. We think, well, of course, and that's, that's true. Um, but when we think about that, we often get gridlocked around that term witness of how do I get into those conversations? What will I say? Um, what are the, the texts that I should have ready on hand, internalized, to, to, to kind of slide in at the perfect moment? And we fail to see sometimes that it's just as easy as sharing what Jesus has done in our life and the ways that we've seen him show up. I mean, that's the, the witness of, of the apostles in, in the beginning of Acts. That's what the whole book of Acts is about, the Acts of the Apostles, the ways that Jesus showed up um, as they bore witness to him going out in those ways. Sometimes we have to think about that. What are the ways that um, maybe we don't have a, a Paul conversion moment? Maybe you're more of a Peter. Well, I've kind of always been in the church. I've kind of always been around. Um, what are the ways that God has, has shown up? Maybe we've found more peace in the midst of anxiety um, in life as we learn to trust more fully in Jesus or, or put things in his hands. Maybe it's we've, we've learned to forgive because we understand that we've been forgiven. Uh, what are those areas that we could call to mind? The good news is this. Um, those stories often uh, are the hook. Um, think about that. Culturally right now, where are most people learning about the good news of Jesus? The television series, The Chosen, right? Um, why? It's not that um, they can't find Scripture in a way that they haven't accessed any more than any other generation, but that, that kind of brings it to life. And it's not intended, at least as I understand, to be just a, a chronological account, but it's kind of intended to bring these things before people, and they go, whoa, your life. It's kind of that movie reel, or it could be, um, that, that catches folks' attention about what Jesus has said and done. And as that begins, there's always a chance by God's grace, to back into the verses and the teachings and the theology and all that, all that jazz. But we lead with what Jesus has done in our life, and often that's the place where that conversation may begin. But I have good news. Um, it's never going to be your winsomeness or your words or your works alone that will bring that about. The good news is that really it's about what God does in those moments, and more importantly, in us. And that's um, where I'd like for us to turn next um, in this second part of our text in verse 4, because that's where the book of Acts begins. And while staying with them, Jesus, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. 
For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Ten days, not many days, ten days, probably was an eternity to wait, be patient, to see what God would do, how he would show up. They didn't know what that looked like. But when the Holy Spirit descends after these words and Jesus has ascended, um, when the Holy Spirit descends, he empowers them to do all that Jesus taught and commanded, not just bringing it to mind, oh yeah, Jesus said we should behave in this way, but actually empowering them to do the very things Jesus did. I mean, in fact, the whole of the Acts of the Apostles is that, the Acts of the Apostles that the Holy Spirit does through them, page after page, um, miraculous thing after miraculous thing. The same Spirit that resides in the Apostles resides in you, by virtue of your baptism. If we grasp that, if we um, were, were bold enough to, to move in that same empowerment of the Spirit in our lives, um, our lives would be radically different, I would, I would venture to say, and our world would be radically different. And so as we think about that theme of empowerment, let's think about what Jesus can and will do in us. He shows up in incredible ways if we allow him to do so. He, he brings forth things in us that we could never have envisioned. In fact, if you asked any missionary when they come into the field, they would tell you they're not super Christians. They're not more intelligent or winsome or wonderful um, than everyone else. In fact, um, they, they've just learned this, this secret. It's not a secret. It's the buried lead that if I just lean into the very one who resides in me by virtue of my baptism, God actually does stuff. And that's, that's pretty incredible when we think about it. Um, I would venture to say, and this is where I'd like to spend a, a moment, that the, the key that often unlocks us to have that aha, whoa, I could do that too, is here at the end of our text. I'd like for us to look at it first and then unpack it on this World Mission Sunday to think about it a bit. Back in verse 6, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Sounds like an odd last parting question, but really what they're driving at there, the apostles, as you know, is, okay, so if you're going to empower us, Jesus, and we wait for this, like when that happens, then, then it gets good. Then we go back to the days of David. We've got a king on a throne. We've got a kingdom. Um, we've got our own place and space geopolitically in our little sliver of this area. And by the way, that's when we're empowered to push all the Roman, Romans out, not, you know, get them out of town. Right, Jesus? He doesn't, he's so gracious, he doesn't say, no, you missed the boat. Um, but, but rather, he says, when you receive power from on high, well, first, you won't really know the times or seasons, so just cool your jets and do what I've told you to say, verse 7, right? And then in verse 8, when you receive power and it comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Guys, you're thinking too small. You think it's about pushing the Romans out. I'm talking about pushing every kingdom on the face of the earth out. From Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. Not politically or not uh, temporally, but even greater than that. Something far lasting than that, pushing back all the kingdoms and principalities of darkness, everything that we could even imagine in such a way that it's supplanted by the king, Jesus, and their deposits are found in every part of the world. I mean, at this moment, I would venture that the, the apostles are kind of going, what? 
Um, but it, it happens when they come to see this. God's promises always come true, right? When they see that fulfilled is, I would argue, when they're deployed. And here's what I mean by that. As they see Jesus ascend, as they're wrestling with this, as the Holy Spirit descends on them, Peter gives the, the best sermon the church has ever seen, and, and thousands of souls come to Jesus. The church begins. Barnabas, our namesake, gives up his inheritance to birth uh, a local congregation, for lack of a better way of putting it. All these things unfold, and then they see this guy, Paul, right, who's persecuted the church, who's now their chief missionary going all around Mesopotamia. And, I mean, they look back at some point and probably go, oh, that's, that's what he meant. Um, I'd argue part of the reason we miss the empowerment, and this is where I think some of our missionary friends could help us see this, sometimes we can't see the, the air or, or the water in which we swim. We need to be pulled out long enough that we can see our own cultural context a bit differently. So that can happen in a number of ways. Um, it can happen across the street at Good News Club at Friendship Elementary as you are pulled literally out of your familiar setting in a school you don't understand to go with our little merry band at church on a Wednesday afternoon to tell about the good news of Jesus to a bunch of kids that you've never met. I guarantee you, because I've heard their stories, you walk in those doors and you're like, okay, Lord, um, I'm here. And you're going to speak. And you're going to help us find the words today. And then they come out and they're like, he actually showed up. I mean, should we be surprised? But it's in that moment that we see that, yes, he can empower us to do these things. For others, it can be in the moments they go to a literal other culture and a people in a language they don't understand, eating food they don't want to ask what it is, and they realize that all I have left is to lean into Jesus because I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know how to communicate to them, and please help me not mess this up. When we get outside of our context long enough, that's often where in the deploying we realize Jesus really meant that he will be with us and he can do things through us. And so we find those moments where we can be plucked out. And I would contend that in those moments where we're pulled out, that becomes a way where we can get a bird's eye view to then look back into our own context when we return. For me, um, at that age in 2006, I won't tell you what that age was, um, but when I was looking at where I would go, wrestling down my call, it was confirmed I didn't want to come home. So you can blame Archbishop Kwashi for you're being stuck with me. Um, I asked him, can I just stay here? And he said, in his infinite wisdom, yes, and. Yes, you can stay here. We'll send you through the theological college. I'll ordain you. You can serve here in my church. And at some point, I'm going to send you back as a missionary to your people. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> and, and he said, because he's learned this traveling around the world, you can jump into other cultures and speak into their culture, but it's often the people in your own culture that can reach those in that culture most effectively. And we need to remember that. And sometimes when we're out long enough, we have eyes to see that. I can't recall the time, but one time back from a short-term mission trip, I'm in the supermarket, wherever it was, and I'm in tears in the deli aisle looking at all the choices of deli meat that I can pick for lunch that week and thinking about where I've come and all they had was starch and maybe some protein once a week. And I didn't 
my heart didn't necessarily break for the have and the have not, which is commendable. But what my heart broke was I'm looking around the people in the supermarket who just look lifeless and sad and depressed. And I think about the joy and the light and the faces that I had just left who had not even two dimes to run together, but had more joy and more peace and life than all those people around me in the supermarket. And I thought, wow, okay, that's what that means. But sometimes we don't see that um, when we're in the context all the time. So here's my, my, my two takeaways for you this week. First, um, would you bear witness? Think about how you could do that. Think about your story. Think about the moments God's shown up. Don't just write it down, although that would be great, but, but tell someone. Tell, tell your kids or, or tell a spouse or tell someone here at church. Father Andrew told me we had to do this. Um, whatever the case may be, practice it because we're called to give an account in season and out of season. We don't always know when that may be, but we've got to be ready, so we've got to be in that discipline. And then secondly, could I encourage you to be deployed somewhere? Um, here's the way you could do it. You could go to Good News Club once and just kind of get that experience. Um, I know you could call or text Father Greg and, and get a real cross-cultural experience in that place called the DFW Airport um, and, and check that out. Um, or if you want to go to another culture, we know a great mission agency, uh, SOMA, that can help you do that. And they've got a lot of great things coming up too. But find ways to be deployed. It's often there that unlocks this understanding of what it means to be empowered in the Holy Spirit to do the things that Jesus has done. So would you consider that? And then, would you reframe your understanding of a missionary? When you call to mind who that is, that maybe you begin to look in the mirror and realize that you're called to be a missionary, whether it's in Keller or Fort Worth or North Richland Hills or Watauga or wherever you live on that quadrant, um, or wherever the Lord may lead you, that wherever we step our foot is where we're called to bear witness to Jesus for his honor and for his glory so that others might come to know. There's only one name under heaven and earth, by which we are saved, and that is the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.